Uh, this is the first time I get to preach uh, here on uh, since the new year, which is quite exciting. It is, is a lot later than I'm, I'm used to, really. And um, I've been thinking, what, what happens then is that you spend a long time thinking about what are you going to talk about and what are you going to um, speak about. And uh, one of the things, and it's the title of my message, I don't know if it will come up there, but um, is, is I've, this, is, this is what I've, I've been thinking a little bit about, okay? It's a little bit weird, but who cares? Um, the church, rescue boat or cruise ship? What are we? So Matthew 16, 18 says this, Now I say to you that, uh, you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the powers of hell will not conquer it. Uh, Peter had just made an amazing revelation that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God. And that revelation is what uh, Jesus is saying to Peter is, is the rock that we build on. We build on the rock of the revelation of Jesus Christ. And uh, I love the church. I, I love the church. Uh, uh, I don't love the church because it's perfect. I don't know, I just don't think, which is fascinating when the Bible says Jesus is coming for a perfect bride, which is a church, but, you know, let's be real, you've all been in church for a while, I would guess, or even for a little while, you'd you'd notice there's a few things that, you know, couldn't you? Oh, you're all very positive, aren't you? You don't think of anything, you just think it's amazing. (laughs) Um, The only reason he's coming for a perfect bride church is because Jesus has paid for our price and taken away all our our errors, really. I love the church, not because it's uh, got everything together. I love the church because it's Jesus' church. I love the church because the church is you and me, and I believe the church is the hope of the world. That's my belief. And so this morning, I make no apology that I'm going to make you feel uncomfortable. Is that all right? I know we've tried to get comfortable chairs for you when we got new chairs, but this morning, you know, I might, you might have to, you might end up wriggling a little bit. All right? Uh, you're, you're, you're sunk now because you've said yes. So there we go. Um, <clears throat> first thing is the church needs you. I don't know if you realize it, but the church needs you. The church. Our church, but the church, you know, if you're in a, another church, the church universal needs you. We need you. You need the church. You need the church. Uh, I read this, that there's a huge amount of um, body of research that suggests that people who become involved in a church community are more likely to maintain their faith and continue their Christian walk. It's often referred to as the stickiness factor. As people who become connected to a church community are more likely to stick with their faith. Uh, Studies show that people who regularly attend church are more likely to report a deeper and more meaningful relationship with God. They're to report higher levels of spiritual growth and maturity. Greater satisfaction with their faith. And a stronger sense of community and belonging. And these factors all contribute to a person's commitment to their faith and their ability to persevere in the face of challenges. You need the church. The world needs the church. The world needs the church. More so than any any time in, in its history, the world needs the church. I was going for a walk the other day. Uh, well, it's... I, 
It's called a, a rock for me. It's a run and a walk, but it's more walking than running. <clears throat> and anyhow, so on my, on my little walk around the, uh, I've got a little track that I sort of go around and that, and I sort of, and I just did, uh, I just did this little bit of a run because it was downhill, so it was a good place to run. And so I did a little run, and, and, and then I sort of stopped and um, started walking and had my head down, and I, I really started um, just, I just got into a, I don't know, just thinking about something, and I felt like I was onto a, a really good thing, that, um, an answer here and there, and so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking away there, and, um, and I don't know how long it went, but about, I suddenly looked up, and I went, where am I? <laughs> and, and I'm going, I, I, I'd, I'd missed a turn. I'd missed a turn home, and, I, and I'm going... Whoa, how did that happen? Like, that was, like, for me, that's I walk this route all the time. Like, it's a regular thing. And I had to walk 500 meters back to the turnoff. And, and as I'm walking back, he, I really felt God say to me, you know, so often you've got your head down just going on with emotions, and you don't stop and have a look at where you're going. And we as individuals can be in this stage where we're just going along with our head down, you know, trying to deal with life and trying to get on there. But, but we, just, we just get lost and we miss a turn that God has for us in our lives. And we end up at the wrong place, maybe even doing the wrong thing. Um, a few years ago, I, I did a thing on life balance, and some of you would have seen it where I talked about, you know, you've got to get your life in balance, and, and you need sort of uh, eight areas of your life, and just you work them out, and you work your balance, and uh, I was thinking about this that this week, I, uh, as, as, you know, you just think about things, and I started thinking about what are the things that a Christian does, not because they have to do out of religious belief, but they just do in their Christian walk. If you were to ask, what is, now I don't know whether this person exists, Joe Average Christian, what should that look like? What should a Christian look like? And so I started thinking through what are all the, all the things that you know, would just show that you're a, you're a Christian, how people would know you were a Christian, or what, what would be the things that, that, that would happen in your life? And I, I ended up with 17 things. And I thought, wow, there's a lot. And so, uh, like I like to do, I like to challenge people. So I thought, oh, my staff, they need challenging. So I went through this list of 17 things and said, rate yourself. Tell me where you are on this. Is it existent in your life or is it non-existent in your life? And um, I just thought you'd all love to hear what those 17 things is and, just, and have a look at your life and just see how you're going with these things. Is that all right? You're not nervous or anything. I'm not going to get you to stand up and show your hands, so you're okay. You can just quietly go there. Here's what you're looking for. What is one thing that I say out of these 70 things, 70 things that you go, hey, that's low in my life. I think I need to do something about it. It doesn't matter what it is, but what in this list that comes up, do you go, ooh, that's me. I think I need to work with it. And if you have... Lots of them, <laughs> just pick one. Pick the one you like, okay? It's too much to try and do them all at once, isn't it, really? Here's just a verse for you. In 1 Peter 2, 1 to 3, it says, Therefore rid yourselves of all your malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that, uh, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. 
And I feel a lot of times we stop growing up because we stop working on ourselves. We stop looking at ourselves and going, hey, where can I improve? So are you ready? You can put 1 to 17, but I'm going to go really fast. And really, if you want to assess yourself, you might have to just listen to it again. But here's the first one. Common question. How's your prayer life? Do you regularly pray? By yourself, anywhere, do you regularly pray? What, what does that look like? Every day? Once a week? Once a month? Once a year? How often do you pray? when's the last time you prayed for someone just in going along and someone went oh I've got this and you're going oh can I pray for you so you prayed for them in their situation three bible reading how often do you read your bible not because I say you have to read it just because that's part of building your Christian faith every day a few times a week once a month once a year, a friend of mine uh, I was talking to the other day, just becoming a, became a Christian just uh, uh, last year, has already read the whole Bible, and that's in the last three months. There you go. Let's just put that out there for you. Right. So how's your reading going? Bible study. Have you done any Bible studies lately? Actually study. I mean, it's one thing to read it, but have you done any sort of personal study? With the Bible? Have you witnessed? Have you shared your faith with anybody? Just, yeah, okay. Oh, here's a good one. You, you all feel really comfortable with this. Are you regular at church? Now, what's regular? That's, that's a fascinating question that we won't get into because we could spend quite a bit of time on that. But most of the time, you're in church. There is something about being regular at something that builds you. And, and look, for relationship buildings and for, for church, just being here every week, you become friends with the people, even if something doesn't happen outside. And I know that because you all know me talk about B&I that I go to every week where I, I meet these 30 people that we talk to every week. We have all become friends, and some of them I've never had a conversation with them outside of that room. But I've listened to them and talked with them and heard them and sat by them at different times. And suddenly, out of that regular, we're, we're all good friends. Just in church, just by coming regularly. That's how you build yourself in. So are you regular at church? Okay, when's the last time you fasted for something? Fasting's part of our Christian walk, isn't it? Yeah. You're very quiet today. And a lot of you have that look on your face of that sort of... Oh, I like, I think I want to kill him. Um, I just, okay, that's all right. Okay, are you serving in church? Fulfilling a, a ministry of some sort that God's given you? That was eight. Number nine, do you think you are actively loving people? Not loving yourself and just your family, but are you actively loving other people? I don't know how you assess that, but have a look. Do you sing praise and worship and listen to praise and worship during the week? Or during the month or at times? Or is the only time you ever praise and worship is in here? Just a thought. Just have a look. Uh, helping people in need. Are you doing anything conscious that you're doing? You're going to help people that are in need, that have things in their life that they need help with. 
12, are you actively working on your character? Could somebody in your family say, man, I've noticed that you've been working on your character? Because they're the ones that would really notice, <laughs> wouldn't they? They're right there. Yeah, okay. Are you involved in some sort of mission? Or missions of any sort? Are you connected with that? Look, that might be even just that you're, you're giving into it or you might be praying for someone. But are you active in, in mission? Lots of things, eh? I've still got four to go. <clears throat> are you involved in fellowship, Bible discussion, some sort of group where you discuss it? Look, studies great individually, prayers great individually, but actually most of our learning and our growth as Christians and, and the way we're made is in discussion with people. When we talk about God and life, what we're learning, what we're seeing, where he is, when we pray for each other, are you involved in that? Does that happen for you regularly? 15, are you moving in the gifts? When's the last time you moved in the gifts? Just asking. Are you stewarding your time? If you were to go to God and say, God, this is my time, what do you think? What would he say to you? What do you think he'd say to you? Last one, I left this one to the end because I just thought this... This could be a challenging one. Are you financially giving? You're tithing. 17 things. And look, I may have missed something, so if you think I've missed something, come and let me know, and then when I do it at Coast and North, I can add 18 or 19 for them. <laughs> so just, <clears throat> how did you do? Have you got some things to work on? Or do you know somebody near you that's got some things to work on? <laughs> You know, recently in my Bible reading, I, I, two scriptures I, I read just, I suppose, challenged me a little bit to the core on, on my thinking. And, and uh, one of them is Acts 9.15, which I'm going to read in a moment. Uh, the context of this is that Paul, um, you know, is persecuting the church and he's on the road to Damascus and, and on the way, you know, he falls off his horse, has this encounter with God and goes blind and uh, he goes to a house and is sitting there waiting for, for whatever happens next. And God comes to Ananias and says, Ananias, um, I need you to go and lay hands on Paul. And Ananias goes, mate, are you sure? You know, this guy's killing people. He's He's, 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 he's really against your faith. Are you sure you want me to go do that? And God says, yes. And then this is what God says about Paul in Acts 9.15. It says, but the Lord said, so go for, for Saul, who got changed to Paul, is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel. So straight away, Paul's, Paul's chosen. That's awesome. God's chosen. You're chosen. You're chosen. He chose you. On your journey, he chose you to be a person that would bring the gospel to, to the Gentiles and to the people of Israel. We're all called to that. But it's verse 16 that I wasn't that impressed with. And it said this, And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Oh, hold on a minute. <laughs> suffer. Suffer for my name's sake. Oh, look, that messed with my head. Because we don't talk much about suffering for the kingdom, do we? We're trying to make life a lot better. But here's this 
Paul, now, I'm not sure. I, I definitely don't think that God was punishing Saul for what he's done because that's contrary to our whole concept of grace. But it did show me that there was a price to the gospel that Paul paid for the sake of everyone. So I'm thinking about that, and then I read this in Acts 14, verse 21, because I was just going through, through Acts. After preaching the good news in Derb and making many disciples, Paul and Barnabas returned to Lystria, Iconium, and Antioch of Poseidon, there we go. Where they strengthened the believers, they encouraged them to continue in their faith by reminding them that we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. I haven't read that very often. Yeah, encourage them. I'm here to encourage you this morning. Are you really ready to be encouraged? Look, this is what it says, that we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. See, I think our understanding and our constant preaching of the salvation message has sabotaged our thinking a little bit. To the extent that we think Christianity is about making my life better, it's about making it trouble-free, free of suffering. See, salvation by grace refers to salvation being the forgiveness of my sins, but it's not earned, it's not by my human effort, but instead it's a gift from God made possible through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that is what it is, without a doubt. But at the same time, we're in our lives. Give our lives to Jesus. And... And it's challenging. See, Christians may face persecution, opposition, difficulties as they follow Jesus. But they are encouraged to remain faithful and endure in these challenges, knowing that ultimately they will enter the kingdom of God. We've got such a short view on life. It made me think of a, an illustration uh, that I can remember hearing um, Ray Comfort talk about. And some of you may have remembered this. Ray Comfort um, talked about uh, an illustration of being on a plane. A whole lot of people, we're all on a plane. And a guy comes around saying, here, have a parachute. Oh, I keep vading in and out, don't I? <laughs> Wear a parachute. It'll make your trip a lot more comfortable. And so people were taking these parachutes and putting them on, um, but they're in the long-haul flight from, from Auckland to, to L.A., and, and it's not comfortable because they've got this parachute on, and it's, and it's really crammed. They were already in economy. They weren't in business class. And, and they're just crammed up, and they've got this, and they're looking around, and not everyone else has got their parachute, uh, parachute on. Uh, everybody else looks really fine, just, just you know, enjoying the trip. And so they think, well, this hasn't worked. I put this parachute on to make it comfortable, and it's not made. It's not making me comfortable, and they throw it off. But the parachute was never intended to make them comfortable. Sometimes we think the salvation gospel is all about making me comfortable. It's about saving your eternal soul. 
That's a whole different thought, isn't it? Which led me to, the church is not a cruise ship. I've been on a cruise ship. When Ellen and I, just before we had kids, we did a Greek island tour on a cruise ship. I was young and skinny, so I could eat as much as I wanted. It was a great time to do a cruise. And I can tell you, the food was phenomenal. Probably the best food I can remember in my life. Every day. Three to four to five times a day. It was unbelievable. The pool was great. Can we cruise along everywhere? And, and people would run and serve us and look after us. And, and oh, look, it was just amazing. It was incredible. Um, it was great. Do you know what? I think sometimes people think that's what church is. It's a cruise ship. I should be able to come and just relax and enjoy myself. And instead, I think it's more a rescue boat. I did think, is it a, is it a destroyer? Because we're on a, on, a, on, a, on a battle. But I actually think we are more a rescue boat. In a world filled with turmoil, disasters, and pain, the church should be a safe haven. A place where people find hope, comfort, and salvation. But too often we see the church as a cruise ship where people come to be entertained, pampered, and have a good time. The church is not meant to be a cruise ship, but rather a rescue, uh, rescue boat, a vessel that goes out into the stormy seas to save those who are in danger and bring them back to safety. That's what we're here for. Isaiah 53, 6, 6 says, All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. We are lost. We need a savior. The world needs a savior. Matthew 9, 36 says, Jesus said, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into, his, into the harvest field. It's work. I want to make it as comfortable as, you, as it is for you, but it's not the main thing. We want the worship to be an amazing experience because it is an amazing thing to encounter the God, but it's not the main thing. We want to see people's lives changed. We want to make disciples so that disciples go back and save souls. We want to train leaders, not, not just so that they go back and they save souls. We've got a community to reach. This verse is more true today about the, the harvest being right because we have more problems today than ever. People are in more need of the church in some ways than they've ever been in their lives. And that's us. The church is not a building. It's us. You know, I, I, I'm challenged sometimes. People go, oh, I'm leaving the, the church. And I say, I, I, I think they think they're leaving me. Well, you're not leaving me. You're leaving us. Like, and it's the relationships and the friendships. And that's what it's all about. Now, I want to build those. But we're in this together to reach the people, to reach the lost. The church is like a rescue boat, bringing people to safety to help them find their way back to God. We are called to be workers in the harvest field, to go out into the world and bring people to Christ. We're called to be the good Samaritan who saw a man in need and went to his aid, pouring oil on 
on his wounds and taking care of him. We're called to be like the disciples who left everything behind to follow Jesus and spread the good news. The church is not meant to be a place where we, people come to be entertained, but rather where people come to be transformed so that they can go out and transform the world. You know, I, was, uh, I see this all the time. You might not always see it, but I always see connections where, where people are coming to faith because of connections that happened 5, 10, 15 years ago. Amazing ones. I had a conversation with a guy this week who, who just asked me whether he could, um, uh, that he'd been looking at Alpha and would like to do Alpha, and, and that, which is a great conversation. And I just started chatting to him and said, well, you know, have you had anything to do to church? He said, oh, uh, I used to go to mainly music in Papamoa. And Andrea used to look after us there. That was five, ten years ago. Andrea didn't know that her just being nice and doing this great program connected them. And here we are. This, it's part of that person's journey. It's, it, and look, it's, it's fascinating, the connections of people and journeys that people are on. People are listening to, people are watching you. People, we're here to reach them and to make the most of it. The Bible's full of people being rescued. Moses was rescued from the Nile, but it was a purpose. He was to deliver Israel. You've been rescued for a purpose. And if you've only got halfway in it, in that, oh, yeah, I'm into church and I've got my, I'm doing my Christian walk, but you haven't taken the next step of making a difference to the people around you. You've only, you've only sort of got part of your calling. Jonah was rescued from a big fish so that he could go preach to the people in Nineveh. You and me are being rescued by Jesus so that we'll get to the people around us. You know, I want my story story to be like David's. Acts 13, 36 says, when David had served God's purpose in his own generation. And we, we get all the benefits of what David's done and, and, and that passed on. What, what about the next generation for us? It's about a generation. The church is 66 years old today. But we're, we're the next generation. What are we going to do with it? So I have two calls this morning. One is for people, if you don't know Jesus, honest, he is the saviour of the world. He takes away your sin. And it's an amazing thing. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in a moment. But the second thing is we need more workers in the harvest. This is sign up Sunday. That's why I've given you a hard message. And I don't make any apology about that. <clears throat> In our house, everyone has to do jobs. I think Eleanor does way more jobs than the rest of us, but we all do jobs. Mow the lawns. Do the dishes. I hate doing the dishes. Not my favourite thing at all. If I can get out of it, I will. My sister will tell you that I used to always go to the toilet when it was time to do the dishes. <laughs> Just to get away from it, because we don't want to do the dishes, do we? But they all sat there and I had to do them when I came back anyway. <laughs> hey, in church, I believe everyone should be doing something. If you're year nine and up, I think you should be doing something on a Sunday. Not whether you enjoy it or not. I actually don't care whether you enjoy it or not. Well, I, 
I do. I'd like you to enjoy it. But we, we all should be doing jobs. Now, I don't want, like any church, you don't want 20% of the people having to be busy every, every time and 80% enjoying the cruise liner. We want everybody doing something. And I go, I need, we need everyone doing at least something on a Sunday. At least something. And hopefully you're only going to have to do it once every four, four weeks, but, but it makes a difference. We need kids workers. People would go out and just do kids, and you go, but I, but I do teaching all week. Well, that's because God put kids on your heart, so may as well do it on the weekend. <laughs> I don't know. Everyone needs to do something. I just go, I think that's it. It's actually good for you because it goes right back to being involved and being part of the community. And yeah, you might lead with someone that you don't like. Well, that's good for you too. That develops character and does something in you. You might be asked to do something you don't like. Look, in some ways, we're completely blessed here. We don't have to sit out all the chairs every Sunday. If you're in coast or in uh, north, north especially, sit out the chairs. You can get it all, all clean, thanks to the atrium. So go have a coffee. Help clean the church by having a coffee. That's a great thing. Yeah, all the toilets are done. and We want to make it easy. I do. But we don't want to lose sight of the main thing, and we need everybody to carry something and to do something. So unless you're over 80, okay? Over 80, I go, mate, you've done it. <laughs> and all the people here are going to come and serve you and bring you a cup of tea and a coffee. You know, look, it's interesting. I, uh, I'm on leadership for a few other churches and I before on one of the churches, I look after a website, and it had all these people that I knew, and um, they were involved in everything in the church. They were um, doing something on the Sunday. Do you reckon I should do that? Okay. Well, the thing. Look, I just saw these people, and they were really involved in church. They were involved in stuff, and I knew the church that they'd moved from, and they weren't that involved because they'd been going to that church for a long time. Hello, okay. I'm going to try and stay still. It's really good, eh? You're really wanting to hear what I've got to say. Eh? That's really good. <laughs> what I think had happened for these people is that they'd been in a church for a long time and they thought, oh, I've done my serving. I did it, you know, 20 years ago. Oh, I've, I've been in a connect group. I've done that, been there, done that. And they'd come to a new church and they suddenly thought, I haven't done anything here i better get involved. So they'd got involved in it. And I could see that their Christian faith had taken a jump and they were right into it. And it was good for them. And that's what happens. You've been in church a long time. You start to think, oh, I've done my thing. I'm sorry, unless you're over 80, you haven't yet. Okay? Let's pray. <laughs> Father, I thank you for every person here, chosen by you, called by you. And Lord, I pray that, Lord, what they do do, Father, will outwork what's in their heart. And Lord, that we can all make a difference for your kingdom. Lord, that the number one thing, though, is that we see people come to know you, that we do rescue people. 
And Lord, I pray you'd help us as a church to be a church that rescues and meets needs. That, Lord, we, we meet the needs of the people around us. We love them like you do. And, Father, not just in words but in actions. Lord, touch each one of us. Lord, as we go through life, Lord, I pray you'd help us to do what you've called us to do. And, Lord, for those who maybe are just at the start of their journey, Lord, I pray that they would find great friends and Christians that would disciple them and encourage them, Father. Lord, that they would grow in their faith and become stronger in you, Father. Lord, I pray you would help them and help us to make disciples, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.